Hey fam, if we're honest, reading the Bible consistently can be a challenge, but it's never too late to start, and we're in this together. Thanks for journeying with us, and here's your host, Emma Dodder. Thanks for joining. Did you know that the book of Galatians wasn't written to just one church? It was actually written to a group of churches in Galatia. Unlike the Corinthians, these people lived in rural territory. And they too were being visited by false teachers who were claiming salvation by works. These false teachers also questioned Paul's apostleship and claimed that all Christians must be circumcised according to Jewish custom. And if you want some more thoughts on circumcision, I'd encourage you to check out episode 30. But here's what's interesting. As Galatians begins, you might notice something odd. This is the only one of Paul's letters in which he doesn't address his audience as saints. He simply says, to the churches of Galatia. He gives a simple greeting and starts reminding them of who Jesus is and what he's done. Paul is surprised that Galatians are being led astray so quickly by false prophets. And he then addresses some controversy as he states that the gospel he preached isn't his own words. Rather, it was what was revealed to him. And teachers in the area claimed Paul didn't place an emphasis on the keeping of the law because he wasn't a true apostle. Nevertheless, Paul shares his story of conversion with the Galatians. He was a true apostle, and he knew the good news. And as Paul continues to share his testimony in chapter 2, he's specific in sharing about his encounters back in Jerusalem. He had sought to make sure he was rightly proclaiming truth. He was intentional. And it was then that he spent time with other believing leaders of the day and was actually sent off to minister specifically to the Gentiles. So when Paul saw Jewish Christians acting hypocritically, not upholding the law, he called them out because they were the individuals who wrongly believed Gentile believers should have to follow the law. And Paul goes on to explain why believers shouldn't have to follow the law. And it's simple. We are justified by faith, not the law or the keeping of it anyway. And in chapter 3, he explains this in more depth by asking rhetorical questions to help the Galatians realize they received the Spirit not because they kept the law, but simply because they believed. Paul uses Abraham as an example. Abraham was counted as righteous or saved by faith, not works. Paul also points out that Abraham has spiritual grandchildren because they believe as he did, not because they're biological descendants. He reminds them, no one can perfectly keep the law. So if you think you're able to be justified by the law, you're actually doomed to the curses of it, the consequences for our sin. In fact, the only reason why faith in Christ works is because Christ took on the curse of the law or the consequences for falling short of its standard. Paul makes a good point about Abraham, but he anticipates the question the Galatians might be asking. Since the Mosaic law was given to the Israelites after Abraham's days, does its existence negate or cancel out what God had promised to Abraham? And for more on God's promises to Abraham, I check out episode one. That's important context. But Paul's answer is a very clear no. The existence of the law coming after God made promises to Abraham didn't by any means cancel God's promises. And he goes on to point out that a law doesn't break or end a covenant. And that the seed God promised to Abraham can take one singular form, Christ, the one through whom the Gentiles experience blessing and freedom. In chapter 4, we're reminded that God sent his son to redeem those who were under the law so that they'd be adopted as sons and given the Spirit, which all believers receive at the moment of their salvation. But Paul's concerned that now that the Galatians have been adopted, they're turning back to the old ways of the law. 
So he uses Hagar and Sarah as an allegory, a story, to further his explanation of why this wasn't okay. And you can read this story in Genesis 16 if if you're not familiar with it, but ultimately in the context of Galatians, Hagar and Ishmael represent the enslaving Sinai covenant, the law, whereas Sarah and Isaac represent the free sons of Abraham, an act of grace as we're not saved by man's own effort, as was displayed through the Hagar and Ishmael situation. And as we continue through the book of Galatians, we'll find that in chapter 5, Paul's saying that if you require obedience to one part of the law, like circumcision, you are committed to obeying all parts of the law for justification, which is impossible. Remember, the false teachers thought that Christians or believers who weren't Jewish needed to be circumcised, but that's not the case. Under the new covenant, circumcision was no longer an expectation. Paul points out that part of why the cross is so offensive is because we are humbled when we say that nothing we can do on our own can make us righteous before God. Nothing. Paul goes on to say that the new covenant doesn't mean you can run wild and do whatever you want. He calls them to be led by the Spirit and points out the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ want the Spirit to produce in us fruit— And we're called to crucify or deny the works of the flesh. But to some, that might actually seem restrictive. If my standing before God isn't dependent upon my works, and if life in Christ should offer me freedom, why should I have to crucify or put to death these desires? And I want to read something helpful I encountered in a book called What the Bible is All About by Henrietta Mears. She wrote, Galatians is the Christian's declaration of independence, which is so interesting. She says, Folks imagine that restrictions destroy liberty. The opposite is true. Upon entering a free public park, the first thing we see is, Don't walk on the grass. No dogs allowed. Or pick up after your pup. And yet, this is a free park. We do not complain. These laws preserve the park. Were they not enacted, it would be no more a park than any vacant lot in a neighborhood. Thus it is with society at large. If we revolt against God and His order, civilization will unravel. This is what's happening in the world today. Liberty is not freedom from the law. That's recklessness. Liberty is freedom in the law. The rules are not what make the park free for our use, but the rules are what make the park someplace we want to frequent. In Galatians, we find that we are not servants working for a living or for an abundant life, but sons working in our living. I thought that was so strong. And in chapter 5, Paul says that those who are walking well, that is, living a God-honoring, abundant life, they should help their brothers do the same. But when they correct them, they should do it with gentleness and be reminded that they themselves are not above temptation. Paul says that if you invest in the ways of the flesh, you will yield corruption. But if you yield to the Spirit, you'll experience life. It doesn't mean everything will go well but it means your perspective has changed. And he encourages them to continue doing good and says that the people encouraging circumcision are cowards who have counted the cost of following Christ and don't want the persecution. Paul encourages the Galatians to continue doing good, to pursue God-honoring actions, obedient actions, and suggests that the people encouraging circumcision are cowards. They've counted the cost of standing up for orthodox truth and don't want the persecution that might come with it. The false teachers want the Galatians to be a trophy of their efforts, but Paul will only boast in the cross. Paul's not trying to convince them of what's right to make much of himself. He's trying to show them what's right and true to lead them to Jesus. 
And what a great reminder that is for us. Our only boast or pride should be in the cross. And what a joy it is to find freedom in that cross. I'm so glad we're all on this journey together. Hey, familia. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. But did you know Join the Journey isn't just a podcast? It's also a Bible reading plan with daily devos and more. Check it out by visiting jointhejourney.com.